Introducing ADT Self Setup, featuring everything from motion sensors to Google Nest Cams. It can be easily installed at your convenience and adapts as your needs change. You can add more products at any time and your system easily moves wherever life takes you. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Let's get down for eSports! <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Nerf This, the esports show that is literally broadcasting from a closet. I am your host, Brian Huff. I don't know why I say I am your host like it's not always both of us. It's like, I'm your host and I got seven tagging along with me. Yeah, actually, we're both in the same closet this time around, which is kind of awkward, but also kind of cool. I mean, I like doing the live shows together. It's always a different, um, it's always an adventure. It is definitely an adventure. It is hot as the balls, Hot as Atlanta. the kids say, here Hot in Hot Atlanta. Uh, we are broadcasting live from the Street Fighter V E-League Grand Finals. I think it's uh, some kind of storage closet. And all. <laughs> we are not joking. Check out our Instagram, uh, NerfThisGG on IG. We uh, just posted a photo, if you do not believe us, when we make the joke that yeah. we are broadcasting from closets. But the merch guy did recognize us, so that's that's he a did. bonus. We're, we're big with merch people now. <laughs> yes, yes. We've had several people walk up and go, I forgot we had an E-League podcast, which just makes <laughs> us feel like super special here. Yeah. Stars, stars. It, the weather. I, we were like, do we just Uber our gear around the corner? Because <laughs> the minute you walk outside, I, I lived here for a couple of years. So I, I mildly got used to it when I was here, but having been away a decade is just, ugh. Anyways, let's not, not, not climatized. We have so much to talk about, and I'm talking about the weather. Please take this away, Brian. Yes, no weather, but we are going to talk a little bit more about, we are talking about Uber. Speaking of Ubers. So I had to tell this stupid story real quick. I've been sitting on this for two days because, you know, I just want to shoot the shit it, with you in the hotel room. Good. It's going to be, be uh, it's going to be okay. So I'm in the Uber on the way to the airport to come to Atlanta. Oh, what are you heading to Atlanta for? I'm like, oh, you know, I cover esports. I'm covering Street Fighter. The Uber driver heard me say street fighting and proceeded for the entire 45-minute trip to the airport to tell me stories about getting punched in the face, getting beat up by homeless meth addicts in San Francisco, and how his roommate used to be an underground fight club guy. Then he started asking me questions about covering MMA, and I just let it go. I totally just sat in the backseat of this Uber while this guy talked to me like I was some combat sports journalist it must be so cool have you ever seen a guy's eyeball pop out of his head oh yeah all the time totally like just yesterday like i was watching a thing and the eyeball just went flying across dude that's so ridiculous i got this going all the way to the airport i'm a horrible person (laughs) you know uh it's a polarized version because if you take the marta into town then you actually get to witness the street fighting (laughs) uh which is what i did but i didn't have the heart to correct him he was so excited he'd stored up so many stories about homeless people trying to beat him up there was like three different ones yeah he's a rough life my man yeah but live from a closet here we are above (laughs) and beyond we have we've we have achieved now the closet i have a tiny bed (laughs) at the hotel it's quite fun, quite fun. Tiny sheets were my favorite. This has been a, it's always an adventure. For all of you that are like, I want to be an aspiring esports journalist, I wonder how glorious it's going to be. It's going to be sitting on a couch shaped like a moon. <laughs> sleeping, sleeping. Sleeping, on. sleeping, covered in tiny sheet that is like meant for a three-year-old's race car bed. <laughs> Sweating to death as you walk five minutes around the corner because you're out of shape and there's like 95% humidity and talking to your Uber driver about meth heads beating him up in San Francisco. But the cool part is you get to see on giant screens... You know, Daigo versus Takedo. Like, that was... That's what we came for. Some smug punk. Like, just... So we should talk about it later. Yeah. Gotta talk about it later. We'll talk about it later, but, like, the good stuff. The good, whoa. Don't, hey, this is, we got some good stuff coming up. Oh. Don't undersell the top of the show. All right, all right, all right. So, let's talk about the Overwatch League, because it's finally happened. We, we now... I've gotten out <laughs> the plates of crow. We are going to eat the crow. It only took almost the entire first season. But they are coming to broadcast television. They have signed a deal. They're going to be on ESPN, Disney, and the ABC family of networks, starting with the Overwatch League playoffs, which are currently taking place. This is a multi-year broadcast deal and will include all of Overwatch League Season 2 next year. 
Uh, this will be broadcast on the flagship ESPN network, on ESPN2, Disney XD, ABC, and all their streaming services, which yeah. this is all very interesting in light of some of the earlier news about what was going on with Riot and that whole deal and how the BamTech deal had kind of fallen through. And now here they right. are just going straight to broadcast TV with the Overwatch League. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's got to be a little bit of a sting, I guess you could say. Oh, Nate Manser is like punching his uh, Riot logo that he has right now. He's like, I told you, MFers. And yeah, that's, that's a, a, definitely an interesting swing of events. Um, I mean, if anything, uh, congrats Overwatch League for, for getting it, getting everything together even this fast, right, and having it on TV broadcast for the playoffs. I mean, obviously, it was in the in the works for a while. It's not something that just kind of comes together at the very last minute. I mean, it probably could. It's TV. But uh, it seems to be like how things are run. But no, I, this is good. Uh, streaming services as well. Uh, Disney, we, are we li- really and truly living in a world where Disney XD is like the destination spot for esports? For esports. Getting there. In the United States. Like, Seriously. Disney XD is airing day one, day two, and day three of the quarterfinals, which is what is happening this weekend. Disney XD is also airing day one of the semifinals and day two of the finals. Day one of the finals. Here's the big news, though. Day one of the finals on ESPN proper. Yeah. Which is a big deal. That's huge. And they've been there before with, like, uh, Here's the Dorm has been on ESPN before in the past. So they, they have some experience with ESPN and the likes. But I'm just... There's just part of me that's like, really Disney XD? But ironically, the thing that stands out the most is ABC. Like, ABC getting into to esports. We've seen NBC jump into things like uh, the Rocket League, uh, like a neutered Rocket League. <laughs> a two League. on two. Yeah. Uh, so we've seen that. But my hope is that, you know, in this case, they're not really messing with anything overwatch league wise right it's not like they're creating their own specific events just to happen on this platform they're just doing the overwatch league we're just covering yeah yep uh they are also going to get their own recap show which is going to air on abc as you mentioned which is pretty awesome uh stoked for everybody involved with overwatch league because this is a huge jump like it sounds like this is still going to take place on twitch this does not seem to supersede the deal with twitch as as far as i've seen despite there being a streaming element to this deal as well yeah they they broke it up uh, from an exclusive standpoint in terms of my assumption is is that the deal with twitch was broken down to live exclusive stuff uh and and maybe even the fact that they do a rerun it could be i don't know what in terms of like the streaming services uh could it be does disney actually have a hand in hulu I believe, yeah, that they do have a hand in Hulu. It's I don't know where they're going to do this. There's obviously ESPN Plus right. was a huge part of this play and what we've seen happen with League of Legends deal. Um, Disney's been working on their own standalone streaming service. This is a big deal when they were talking about pulling content out of Netflix beginning next year so it could go there. It, it's a big deal, and I think this puts some of the past few months of Overwatch League news a little bit more in perspective. We've had a lot of conversations about, is this too much? Why, why are they able to justify an increased price for these franchise right. fees? Right. Why are they so bullish on being able to go you know, true geolocated for the regionality in the next couple of seasons? No, I don't know the numbers behind this deal, but this could be a huge part of why. I mean, especially when you go to things to the actual networks like ABC, right? Like ESPN's one thing. But when you start airing stuff on ABC, you're taking over a, a time slot on a national network, right, that everybody have a, has access to. Like, you don't have to have cable for it, right? That kind of thing. And so, and it's, uh, I would say, a, a bold-ish mood, move for ABC because they, I don't think I've heard them do anything. Maybe, maybe they did a Madden stuff back in the day. I don't know. Like, I can't think of any time where ABC has been involved. So this is new grounds for them. Yeah, this is. I mean, Apparently. we've definitely seen the Disney properties do this, but for the Disney properties to push this all the way down to ABC on network television, yeah. like that's a pretty big deal. What I also thought was interesting is ESPN Vice President of Digital Media Programming said, "We are turning the corner here in terms of our interest and engagement in the esports category." You think? Which is like, yes, you are, and again little uh, poke in the eyeballs to the people at Riot. Like, it's just amazing to me how this NALCS deal is just kind of, like, got left on the floor largely and been put off into this land of streaming, and now they're going to run with broadcast coverage of Overwatch League. Now, to be fair, Overwatch League broadcasts better 
than League of Legends does, just due to the length of the matches. Right, being, you right. could do this live and not need thirty freaking hours of television like you would need with League mm-hmm. of Legends. So it do, it makes sense, but it still has to burn when that deal was put out and felt to be so monumental. Right. And and like quite frankly, like marketed is such a monumental deal for esports, and this is actually come to fruition. Not just come to fruition, but it's already happening. Yeah, I, and shortly after, you had to make the announcement that we got bumped down to just the ESPN app, right? Like, yeah, yeah. So it it is. I think it is. You touched on it there. It's a, a large portion of the fact is that Overwatch is uh, way more digestible from a viewer time investment standpoint, right? So you're not, uh, especially when it comes to ABC, you can lock in an hour, two hours of stuff, and you're good. Where League of Legends. You're just getting warmed up in two hours, so I mean it's an all-day event, and that which is yep. why it doesn't play well to broadcast. We've historically said that, and so then ABC we might be looking for something to do on the weekends and fill up those daytime slots. That's exactly what they're doing—a a Sunday like, three p.m. slot yeah. for a recap show on ABC. Yep, and this is just testing the waters for, uh, you know, we we we've seen this huge fight over like who has rights for the NFL on the weekends or college sports on the weekends. And this is just another way to fill up like, hey, I don't need to bid 200 to 400 million dollars just to get a bunch of games going for a specific, you know, college sport or whatever it may be. I can now pay less than that and have a similar dem- demographic, if not better. Yeah. And what would be another interesting point here? And this is a bit of a selfish take, but it's, it's something I'll be interested to see. They are now associated directly with ESPN. What is coverage of Overwatch League outside of the Blizzard and ESPN coverage going to look like, right? Like we have seen where ESPN has been able to corner the market, not just on the actual broadcast themselves, but building up properties for covering these things because they get a lot of exclusive access and companies revel in this. We've seen this happen with WWE lately, yeah. where WWE, despite Bleacher Report being a, the, one of the largest wrestling sites in the world, ESPN has gotten all the on-air interviews with wrestlers pre-WrestleMania and things of that nature. And how far are we away from Overwatch League players getting exclusive interviews happening on ESPN as opposed to going to your, your friendly old esports site. I think that's, you know, da- sad for us, but great for the players as far as raising their potential footprint and their potential notoriety outside of the general audience. And you can talk to them in a way that is different than what you see on the esports broadcast for better and for worse. Let's be mm-hmm. clear here because, you know, we've seen not all esports personalities are meant for broadcast television interviews. Also spread out everywhere. Disney... All three ESPN channels plus ESPN News and on the streaming channel and on ABC. This is not just like a small potatoes thing. And it sounds like even though you may need to flip between different ESPN properties, you will get to see the whole shebang. Yeah. So we actually are living in a world where Disney XD is at the forefront of esports. Clearly we signed the wrong deal. very well may see ESPN SportsCenter cover Overwatch. Like... There's a chance. Real life. Real life. Jacob Wolf will be there. He's got his tie on, button down. There you go. Live Looking from smooth. the Barclays Center. Looking, Looking smooth yeah. silk. That's smooth Jacob Wolf. <laughs> That's what he should. He just recently changed from Jacob N. Wolf on Twitter to Jacob Wolf. Oh, and no. I think he should have been smooth Jacob Wolf. Or just smooth Wolf. Okay. I'm <laughs> just saying. That could work. So this will see. This is not ESPN's first foray, obviously, into esports, as you mentioned before. Um, I think the most obvious one, and the one that has honestly also gotten the most confusion and hate, has been their coverage of the Evo Championships in ESPN2. When I talk about the hate, it's from the usual, like, what is this video game BS on my ESPN? Well, guess what? haters it's going to be all over espn now you're not gonna be able to just troll us in the back channels of espn too late at night we're gonna be in your face with overwatch league yeah i i think some of the the hate i guess you would say for evo was largely around i i think personally production wise they didn't you know they're in the what was it the mgm grand i believe it was Uh, was mandalay bay mandalay Bay, mandalay bay but they're in the mandalay and they had their like just their you know where their casters were set up and the sound bleed from the stage which because they were actually listening to something different in there and so they just uh it wasn't well produced because espn produced it and uh, from what we know it was also really really last night. oh yeah yeah the first the first run of evo was like insane it was literally like hey in three days espn's gonna be down there covering it yeah yeah so i think it was very much like thrown together wasn't properly uh, produced um but i'm hoping that with like this deal like they'll they'll start looking more into it or doing Doing a better job of covering esports. 
And how much of the production are they yeah. going to handle is another big question that I have. Blizzard has invested know. a significant amount of money. I mean, look, they do the entire broadcast without help from ESPN. Right. So what is this going to look like? Is it still going to be produced by Blizzard and ESPN's there doing coverage? Is it just going to air simulcast style or whatever you want to uh, call it onto ESPN? And that may ch- the answer now may be different than it is next season as well. True. And it may be way different once we get to regionality standpoint. Yes, yes. And that's actually, now that, you know, you had mentioned regionality before, but I guess I didn't think about the fact that, like, if anybody has the ability to cover sports regionally, it's ESPN, right? Exactly. Like, like, and it's no longer Blizzard. Because we talked about this. Blizzard are going to lug this set all over the freaking country? Or are they going to build yeah. mini versions of this all over the country? You can't. But you can have somebody like ESPN, kind of, who is already used to running the show multiple times uh, a week for these different sports in all these cities and what you want to do. Um, I, I'm not sure about European wise, but at least from yeah, a, can't a wait national, for those Shanghai home matches. Like a North American standpoint, I think they've they've got it covered. But yeah, makes sense. That's why you want to expand, and it also still makes sense in this case to add more North American teams if that's where they're going. I mean, I know it, yep. it's not what we want to hear, but I, this is probably why they're still on the plate. No, for sure, because ESPN's not going to have the ability probably to go to China or go to Australia as easily as they would be able to cover things here in the U.S. Still having it right. largely U.S. concentrated. You don't want to go to China and see them lose anyway. So it's like, yeah. what's the point? Just everybody does, man. I'm telling you, if they, get, <laughs> no, if they never kidding. win a match in all of the history of Overwatch, it'll be monumental. <laughs> the one time they'll do it, it won't be on TV. It won't be streamed. No, nope, nope, nobody nope. will believe it. It'll be blacked out or something because it's ESPN. <laughs> so it's a blackout date. You weren't able to see that. So. Um, Never been happier to be wrong. I'll be honest. Like this is a great move for esports. Like I, I hope they make it happen. What do you mean wrong? Were you you weren't like against it? I no, don't no, know no I wasn't against it. Against but it. I was like I, you and I, especially me, gave them a tremendous amount of shit because like there was like broadcast deal coming soon, Twitch, and we were like, wah, well, wah, sad trombone. They were bri- they. It's very typical. They've been very typical of like, hey, they blew things up a year too soon. <laughs> Just in time planning. <laughs> yeah, and but the fact that they they've nailed it down for this is is awesome. So at yeah. least for the playoffs, I, I, part of it might have been uh, from a broadcast standpoint, like prove that there is something here that is broadcastable. Yep. Clearly, they thought it was um, because at the time when they said we're going to get a broadcast deal, it wasn't broadcast. Just air. Yeah, just this thing we're going to do. Yeah. So, so kudos to the folks at Blizzard, kudos to the Overwatch League folks and Nate and Answer. Like that's it's awesome to hear. Yeah. Uh looking forward to it. Moving on in the Blizzard world, Hearthstone the Boomsday Project, the next expansion for the popular card game, launches on August seventh. Seven is pumped, as the kids say. I hear it, this is lit. a thing. It is lit. So some highlights from this, we get a new keyword, and this is a very interesting new keyword called magnetic. Played by themselves, a minion which it will only be a mech um, will be able will have like no special abilities but if you put another mech near them that has magnetic then they combine or can you do it with any card regardless of whether or not it has magnetic so you want to think of it in terms of it, it can be played as a minion or a buff okay so if you already have a mech down it can be bu- you can buff a mech okay and it not only is it uh, so as a minion, for instance, the one they used was like Spider Bomb, which is a three mana, uh, two two with a death rattle ability of uh, destroy a random opponent, random enemy minion. Um, and essentially, what that is is you can play it as the Spider Bomb uh, with that as its death rattle, or you can buff a minion that's already there and, and trigger it or, and have make it a you know give it a plus two plus two uh, and give it the death rattle ability. So. It's it's cool. Some of the other things that are neat in this uh, this expansion coming up, and again, it's Boomsday, so it's kind of uh, harkens back to the goblins and gnomes and, and Doctor Boom, is, my favorite Hearthstone card. Doctor Boom, and what I like about it is like that uh, you know, goblins versus gnomes was was just GVG, which is such a, a great expansion. It also it, it, two sides of the coin, largely because that was the most. I would say the RNG heavy element. That's when a lot of those effects were taking in. That was one of the, I think it might've been, been been the first expansion even. Uh, So it's a lot of people really liked it. It brought in mechs into the the fold, which is something that I've been missing for a long time. So we're looking to see more mechs. We're looking to see a little more like kind of crazy elements, not necessarily pure RNG, but uh, definitely some cost effect of, you know, there's cost weighing in a lot of it. Like one of the cards is, draw the rest of your deck yep. <laughs> like just way above and beyond there's some minions in here where uh which has uh, you know you pay like it's it's a six mana uh like i don't know i think a two six with taunt but if you play it on turn 10 it becomes a 
a like a twelve six taunt. Like there's just some cool value things that yep. can be included. Um, but you have to weigh your options, and the, also the inclusion of legendary spells, which is new. Yep. So I think undoubtedly uh, knowing how power level goes in sets as we kind of go throughout the year uh, a lot of people complain that which was undervalued until the last round of nerfs and then we saw an uptick of cards but really the meta has just been all, all over the place really yeah it's it's this is probably the best meta we've seen in a long time we just uh and this last week discovered almost a, a whole new archetype, like the Heal Zoo archetype, uh, largely with Warlock. Um, I experimented a little bit with the, with Priest as well in that version in a tournament, and so it's uh, it it's still fairly um, I don't know still still fairly fresh ish of a meta, not totally right, totally right. stale, especially after that nerf. Um, but yeah, this is looking to come out August seventh, so we're super fast, like three weeks, three weeks, um, and like you said playing into a meta that is largely still fairly dynamic yeah. at this stage. So that's interesting, because I can't remember a time in Hearthstone history where we've had an expansion summon, co- summon coming so quickly yeah. while the meta is still, I want to say sorting itself out, but still moving as much as it is. So it's going to be a lot harder, yeah. I think, this go-around to predict what these cards are going to do to the meta, because you don't have this like solid foundation of a meta to put right. it on top of. And that, I think that's what's going to make a lot of the discussions that happen over the next few weeks very interesting. Yeah, and I we had talked before. Like you know, it used to be like which four decks are being brought to the tournament, kind of thing, or which which of these top four or five decks. Uh, and now it's not so much. It's every class has like a some viable decks, at least two to three different viable yep. decks, except for maybe maybe warrior. Um, but even then, there's so many variants of the type. So it's it's um, it's a really it's a cool meta. Like you, even now, there's still decks out there that I haven't played a ton with that I would love to still play with, which. It, it's weird because like now I'm at the point where like oh, I want to go play some more recruit hunter or I want to go do this, uh, and in like three weeks I'm not going to be like gonna matter. <laughs> they'll, they'll probably not be even remotely viable, um, or they could still be and we just don't know. But so uh, there'll be a lot of interesting stuff coming yeah. up. Um, there's also the introduction to the projects cards, which are a new spell that has a powerful effect but helps both players. So the one example we've seen revealed right. so far is the biology project, which the druid one. Yes, each yeah. player gains two mana crystals. Actually, really interesting. One of the things that uh, I can't remember who brought up the point, uh, but it is a very true point, especially with, with Druid card, where everybody gets two more mana to start with. Um, you can as that's that will likely see play, and largely because uh, Druid now has a lot of stall tactics, but they become they come in the mid game and or mid or late game, and so if you're skipping essentially the early parts of a game, uh, aggro decks are behind, right? So if you immediately jump to, say, turn four, uh, and even if you had, like, sweet, as an aggro deck, I can play out four one ones. well, that's just going to get swiped down now. Like, you're already in their defensive uh, zone, essentially. So it that card somewhat it feels troublesome. Um, and that everybody getting 10 mana, that's really neat as well. Uh, jump right into the big decks and the big game stuff. Yep. If you draw it, if not, I mean, we've seen that before. I think Astral Communion was one uh, that Druid had, and anyways, uh, we that never saw play. It was saw some trolled in videos or some highlight reels for like, oh my gosh, look what happened. Uh, but for the most part, it was never really an effective competitive deck. But I'm excited. Yeah, it's going to be pretty awesome. So again, August seventh, you can pre-order now. There's actually two pre-order options this go around. Uh, they're doing a special. Oh, yes, you got to get on this. No, I screwed up on this one. Did you? Oh, man. I so you have the normal the... pre-order, yeah. which is apparently what 7 did, where you yeah. get 50 card packs, a random golden legendary, and the Mecha Jaraxxus card back. But if you do the Mega Bundle, you get a 30 additional card packs plus the Mecha Jaraxxus Warlock Hero, yeah. which it sounds like 7 wishes he had. Uh, you know, I honestly, I've got so much golden dust already. You spend enough I'm on fine. Hearthstone. I spend enough that I'm good. Uh, but it was just one of those things where I did it. But what the, about that Mecha Jaraxxus Warlock Hero? I know I got I got Nemzi, so I'm good. I'd rather just really. I think Nemzi is still snob. annoying to people. That Mecha Jaraxxus. I don't want to seem cool to anyone. I want to know the crap out of such my a hero button. snob. I already no, have. I really. Mind. I'm missing so many of them. I'm really not. <laughs> yes, it's a good thing that I'm not a completionist when it comes to Hearthstone. No. So that's the Boomsday Project. Looking forward to a lot of discussions coming up on the show about that. Next, we want to talk a little bit about mobile esports. So if you have been following esports daily, you've probably heard us report on this earlier in the week. But Fluxer, which is a new mobile 
streaming platform that has been launched with a partnership with Tencent is going to be putting on a set of specific PUBG events in order to promote the platform. So the idea of streaming mobile esports, while not new, when Tencent and PUBG get involved, you've got to start looking again because as much crap as we've given PUBG recently, PUBG, especially PUBG Mobile, mobile continues mm-hmm. to grow, yep. especially in China. We looked at some Chinese numbers earlier in the week as far as like streaming in China versus streaming with the Chinese audience taken out, and it's amazing how much of that skews towards PUBG in yeah. China compared to the rest of the world. So it's not playing the same Fortnite that, you know, that we're playing here, like PUBG is largely still dominating over there. So this is both a interesting thing for Tencent and LiveMe, who mm-hmm. is the streaming platform that is, is building this app, as well as it is for PUBG from an esports perspective. Yeah, I, originally I think when we were putting together show notes, uh, it was popped up like Fluxer, LiveMe making Fluxer, or, or correct, that's the correct order. Yeah, Fluxer is the app by LiveMe. But uh, when it came out, I was like, okay, yay, another mobile esports platform of streaming everybody just kind of streams it this other way anyways uh and then we got like further down the show notes and like tencent's putting on a a a mobile thing with PUBG. i'm like yeah that's always huge and they're like oh but they're partnering with flux i'm like okay now it's definitely a thing like it's just PUBG is uh i'd say joked about us living in a world where disney xd (laughs) is super popular uh i don't think even many months ago that we would be here sitting sitting here saying PUBG is probably, uh, if not undoubtedly, bigger on mobile uh, right now. Yep. It's it's probably the health of it is largely skewed towards mobile and in China right now, yep. and not the other way around. And so, and that has a lot to do with the fact yeah. that the, you're not paying for that mobile version of the game, right? Like that's also it's got a lower barrier to entry, yeah. which is again great for a market like China. Like we've seen free to play and microtransactions flourish far more in china without that initial outlay and PUBG has definitely taken advantage of that like i think what is interesting to me is they've largely stuck to their guns on the desktop side of things which has probably been part of why they've been held back from fortnite because it's so easy yeah. to play fortnite but on the mobile side they open it up they make it free that has clearly landed them in a good spot within china but this is a big deal for this platform because look even if nobody in the u.s gives a flying crap about fluxer and uses it anyone who cares about esports around PUBG in China, that that mass of people is enough to prop that app up. There are most... Oh, yeah. Mixer Mixer in the US would kill to have the numbers that PUBG is probably going to drive towards Fluxer. Yeah. No, that's it's very, very true. And I think in general, like, just Tencent is at the point now where you just... Anything they touch, they just have the weight of their entire platform behind it. And I think yep. it's... You know, Blizzard has had that in a in a way, largely in a way, for the longest time too. Yep. You're, you're you have a, a group of tiny, pretty much like rabid fan base that you're always able to kind of tap and move everywhere, and that's why, um, you know, when Blizzard went and bought uh, who, who did Candy Crush? Is it King? Is that what it was? Yep. When they went and bought Candy Crush, that was like the huge thing. There It was like Candy Crush at the time had like 200 million people, yep. and so largely at that point in time they were like, you could literally drop. Uh, when when you drop a Hearthstone expansion, you could essentially ping 200 million people and say, "Hey, you're already playing on mobile. Try this game out." Yep. And and that's the way that Tencent is, and that's the way PUBG is. I mean, it's even to the point now where like somebody had, uh, I think on the Reddit had posted how they went out to to a restaurant and there was a joke about chicken chicken or winner winner chicken dinner, and it was like a, an advertisement for PUBG in the restaurant menu, and it was like it's like what this is just Come insanity. A big thing. Become a big thing. Um, speaking of PUBG esports, real quick. So there is Las Vegas has obviously made a play to try to be like the mecca of esports is in the U.S. We've seen mm-hmm. this with their branding of the esports arena. Obviously, things like Evo take place there. Uh, the grand finals becoming a bigger and bigger thing. They have now announced alongside ESP Gaming the World Showdown of Esports (WSOE), and the first event for that will be a PUBG Pan Continental Tournament that will be broadcast actually this weekend, July and fourth. 15th and 15th from Poker, Poker Goes Studios in Las Vegas with a $100,000 cash prize. It is very interesting how this like PUBG Fortnite esports stuff is heating up because in the absence of any truly official league for either game, these one-off right. events just keep popping up, keep drawing large audiences, mm-hmm. keep having decently sized prize pools. And as much as the PUBG flame seems to be endowed to a large degree here in the U.S. compared to Fortnite... 
they have still managed to keep things going. And like, yes, they're not leading in from a publicity standpoint, and maybe they're even falling behind from a numbers standpoint. But the thing to remember with PUBG is like they still have millions and millions and millions of people right. playing that game. Well, we had talked about this a couple times, I think, today, um, like after our meeting that we had earlier, uh, which was. You know, you can jump into the arena of we want to be in these tier one esports like CSGO, League of Legends, Dota. Oh, well, you can't really be in League of Legends or Dota anymore, really. But anyway, CSGO, right? And, yep. and so you can jump in and be a small time player in a big space, or you can pick some of these emerging games that are thirsty for um, help, attention, uh, partnership, all yeah. the above, right? They're they're ripe for for building up and um, and. And you can become really established, well-known, grow that scene, and you can become the next CSGO. CSGO is going to go away at some point in time. Like, all of these games are going to go away at some point in time. So investing everything into one game, ironically, CSGO has been around a long time, yep. but... Somebody, when you're not the developer, you don't control yeah. that destiny, right? Right. Like, and it's right. hard. So if you're an ESL, hell, if you're an E-League, like, it's a good business model to, like, okay... We shouldn't go all in on one game. No, because the minute you have a problem with that or the minute that publisher decides, you know, like with League of Legends or even well, Blizzard did it. Hey, we're bringing all Overwatch in in-house. Yep. You're like, uh, okay. And then you're just done, right? Yeah. Like, like, okay, well, moving on. And then they bought up anybody else who was left. And, and, and then you have to good. jump into something else, which uh, in this case, like maybe there were other players and you got to then fight against them. And then you got to go against the whole... Um, when E League even jumped into CS:GO, everybody's like, "Oh man, what's going to happen?" Like, yep. but it turns out that like E League really raised the bar on a lot of things yep. too, and so that was a good thing. But it could have easily blown. Could up. Could have easily gone the other way, and I think yep. we're going to see that. Like, it's going to become a bigger thing in the FGC. I think E League has been super smart by starting to get into the FGC, but the FGC is so wide and broad, and we have not gotten the Goliath yet. Like, I think Street Fighter is obviously great. Dragon Ball Fighters continues to grow. I mean, we saw the numbers of registrations at Evo. Like, that game just hits a sweet spot, and we still got Smash. And with Smash Ultimate mm -hmm. coming, and I think it is, it, you're dumb if you don't think Nintendo's jumping on this one. Like, this is, like, yeah. they have been holding back for this one. They're going to take a shot at it. And somebody getting involved with Nintendo and being the Nintendo tournament sponsor, for example, could be a really, really good place to be. And is Smash going to be as big as League of Legends? No, but. Who's your competition? It's mostly a lot of small local fighting game tournaments that can continue to operate yeah. and help you feed talent into this larger system that allows you to play on a national stage alongside things like Evo and CEO and Combo Breaker. And I think that's a great play. You know, we've talked about this with Rocket League. We've talked about this with some of the smaller games too. Smite, Paladins, Vainglory, like a lot of these smaller esports. You know, when you look at the numbers, oftentimes it's better to be awesome at that small niche and get a larger portion of that niche than it is to go up against the big dogs and you know that you're fighting three or four different people or people right. with 10 times the resources for you in a game so locking on to PUBG, even like you know say what you will about fortnite and how massive it is but right now as an esport is largely unproven so even getting in on fortnite right now is not necessarily a bad play because from an esports perspective i couldn't call it top tier because i don't know what competition for it looks like at this point <laughs> right right i mean watching ninja stream is not esports right you've got the weekend stuff but it's or the, the friday night fight stuff yep. but even then it's like it's not the same as an actual tournament or a league or any of the, the those sorts because it just the dynamics change points change there's there's a lot more to it um and so yeah i think there's there's a lot more here we could talk about in terms of like fgc or what the next big game is obviously got fgc like, top of our mind right now yeah. but. and and i think some of it does boil down to how long a developer is going to keep interest in a game you had mentioned rocket league and rocket league came out i think earlier this week and said no there's not going to be a rocket league too yep, yep. we're focusing more on platform stuff and just going to continue with rocket league the way it is we've seen this with ubisoft with rainbow six siege yeah. like they came out and said no we're not going to keep you know coming out with a new game every year like a la call of duty or battlefield we are going to stick to siege yeah. and we're going to run it like a multi-season esport and they've largely done that and been successful they've gotten better over time and arguably whether it was a purposeful or not is largely what got counter-strike to where it is now right like when right. csgo came out they've just stuck with it as a game and continued to make changes added new maps redone maps and stuck with it, and that's long allowed it to have longevity and outside of the fgc most esports have not been very resilient to like swapping over to sequels and as new games have come out i think it hurts largely scenes like call of duty and gears of war i, I think the with uh, I, this is the whole topic i was like man if we get into this it could be like a much longer segment but it's it's fine um i think largely the reason why fgc works well with uh, a new version coming out and so on and so forth and growth and new game 
is because the core mechanics are generally the same, right? Um, there's a lot of carryover from character to character, and so it's not a total different relearn. It is from time to time. The thing that kind of hurts the FGC, it hurts more so Capcom than anything, is that they splinter their audience yep. between games. And that's when I think it's hard to have a juggernaut game when you're splitting the game. So And you could arguably say you could arguably say the same thing about Arc System, right? Like when we have a Guilty Gear, a Blaze, you know, Blaze Blue Cross yeah. Tag, you yeah. know, you definitely and Dragon Ball Z. Like right now, there's three Arc System Works games in current rotation at Evo. Right. And they are and I, I'm oversimplifying it for all you fans of these games, but like they're largely coming at you from the same genre, right? That is right. that Air Dasher anime style. It is very the Arc System Works. Now, I will say Blaze Blue and Dragon Ball Z are drastically simplified games, control scheme wise, to like a Guilty Gear or a Street Fighter. Uh, but we've even, and, and this one area I think Nether Storm or Nether Realm, sorry, has done a, an amazing job with, which is like they just they will not have Mortal Kombat and Injustice both in rotation at the same time. Right. Well, and you have both in rotation, but you again, we it, it's. Even though the FGC has adapted well to new things coming on board, but it has hindered itself with the fact that new games are coming out. Look how long it took people to kind of finally let go of Street Fighter Four, yep. right? And and make and it was a big uh, to use one of your one of your words like hubbaloo or whatever it is hubbaloo hubbaloo. Yeah, an extra come on, sorry, right, sorry. Uh, <laughs> but to add one of those like. To, to get everybody to that level, it was like it just well. It's also because Street fight. Fighter Five came out pretty crappily. Like it was not yeah, a complete game, trouble. right? Yeah. Um, but I mean, the 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 common and most historically relevant use case of this is uh, Smash Brothers Melee. Yeah, a game that has largely not been let go by a huge portion of the audience, and a lot of people are hoping that Ultimate will finally be the game that brings those two communities back together. But there's definitely been some challenges there. But overall. Yeah, it is it is harder when you go from sequel to sequel. Well, it really is. And one of the things I, I did want to mention, too, as well, is like you have a lot of players who play along both or multiple games. Not um, everybody can be a Sonic Fox, though. Right, right. Not everybody. <laughs> but but there are enough of them like that they compete in multiple games that the scenes translate to a large degree. Right, right. And so if you think about it, if those games weren't out there, if Capcom wasn't fracturing their own market... Like how much bigger could the market be, or is it? So is it? Maybe that's why they made Marvel vs. Capcom so shitty. <laughs> so nobody will just nobody will play. It. like, nope, Street Fighter Five. Uh, but no, it's it, it's true. It's like is it's hard to tell whether or not entirely is Street Fighter Five as big as it is because it's the fractured people can play it and play it come from other games or whatever. Yep. Or is it as small as it is just because of all of that? And so it's hard to tell. Yeah, last question, and we'll head to the break. But if E League. Does Dragon Ball Fighters is it bigger than Street Fighter Five? Um, Does it draw a bigger audience? I think so, largely because of some of the TBS properties and how cartoons. Yeah, yeah, yeah like flows like, right into that audience. Yeah, and I think the cross promotion. It's just could uh, you imagine DBZ in America? Uh, it largely is what made Cartoon Network, basically. Like, that's... Yep. It isn't what made Cartoon Network, but it is... There's a lot of people that it is associated purely with because it. of that. It is associated with it, yep. and it was definitely one of those properties uh, that uh, DBZ would not be as big in America if it wasn't for Cartoon Network. And we've talked to E-League in the past, and we, a lot of their decision to go with Injustice is because of these recognizable characters, right? We talked a little bit about right. this around DC. I, are, I would say for the audience that tunes into TBS and tunes into Turner Properties... Dragon Ball Fighters is right up there, and if well, I'm watching, <laughs> if I'm watching the characters play out on screen, it may not even dawn on me for a few seconds that I'm watching a fighting game tournament as opposed to another episode of Dragon Ball Super. And right. it, it, I, I think the the cross promotion there and the relevance of the audience and just the hype behind that game, I think it has a chance of yeah. being bigger than Street Fighter. Well, let's look. Let's look at this. So when we were in that that press junket, uh, we had. Uh, how many Dragon Ball Z references made? Oh, I know. So we're in the player junket between like the press and the players, and PR was there. They're all just kind of asking uh, you know, questions to the players about, and, and it's just kind of all doing their thing. But there was multiple references uh, made to Dragon about Dragon Ball Z, especially when it came to like Tokido and Punk. But, yeah, yeah, comparing comparing their rivalry to various rivalries yeah. within Dragon Ball. Yeah. And so I, I mean. That just shows you that it's kind of just, it was already ingrained in that that culture, anyways. There's and this if you're somebody's watching it, that yeah, it, it's probably an easy translation. I argue that uh, Dragon Ball Fighter Z is still in a 
needs to grow a little bit more as, I, as a product before it's ready for this, but... Uh, there's definitely some neat stuff. It's a, we've talked about it's a perfect neat intersection. The the overlap between the FGC street culture anime mm-hmm. well known. There's just certain parts that like hold up. Like you you they're into the same things and Dragon Ball scratches a lot of those itches and it's like sneakers. It's like sneakers, I'm telling you. Like you walk around the E League offices and people recognize your sneakers. Like it's it's what they do well. We've talked about this like, you know, the FGC speaking to the same style of audience that likes the NBA and, and NBA Twitter mm-hmm. and all the memes going on there. So there's a lot of value here and I think Dragon Ball and, I, and to be clear, we know nothing. But Dragon Ball Z or Dragon Ball Fighters, I should say. <laughs> Obviously, we know nothing. We're still we know in nothing. Closet. We're in a closet. They don't even come back here. And you know, for all we know, everyone's gone home at this point. We're just locked in the building till the morning. Lighting gear sitting next to us. Some... <laughs> the TV's dangling from the ceiling. <laughs> some, like some, some random boards that we're really hoping that don't fall over and crush us or our equipment. Yeah, it's uh, bad. It's fun stuff. I wouldn't say it. it's not horrible. We've it's, <laughs> air, it's air conditioned. I feel like we've we've been in, we've recorded in worse places. We have. Uh, I've but, lived in worse places. Yeah, I know. Just this to is, be clear. Yeah. All right. Let's take a quick break now that we've talked about the weather and the room that we are sitting in uh when we come back we're going to have a talk to a couple of the players also give a rundown of the action that's happened here at the grand finals we'll be right back And we're back, and it is time to talk about the Street Fighter V Invitational. So as we mentioned at the top of the show, we are here in Atlanta, and it is hype AF, as the kids say. <laughs> oh, man. I, like it, I feel like we just get, we're getting older and older every show. Hubba every show, every minute of this show. You're ballyhooing <laughs> and hubba ballooing all over the place. Oh, man. So it has been a hell of a tournament. Um Usually, I'd start off with what was the biggest surprise to you, but I think the biggest surprise comes in who we saw in the actual finals, which was our boy Smug, who just tore through that lower bracket. The body count. Daigo, Problem X, Punk, Fujimura. He just tore through the loser's bracket and managed to get himself a reset before ultimately falling to Takedo 3-1 in the finals. Which is good because I went and got Akuma tattooed on my arm, uh, predicting that Tokido would win. And if Smug would have won, I would have got this Akuma for no damn reason. <laughs> it's it's crazy because I think we were talking about it earlier today, and someone asked us who we thought would win, and I was like Smug. I feel like after that pressure, like he's just he's he has he has something up his sleeve. He he's got it. And as the day progressed, it it was like he, he almost postulated all the possibilities. Yeah, he was just on a roll tearing through everybody both on screen and off screen (laughs) ironically problem x said he wanted smug and then went down three one to smug he got like he thought he would just take him because uh he had beaten him what every other every other match uh even in groups yeah before there'd be no problem he didn't want punk yeah problem x didn't realize that there was no stopping punk there. And and the fact that he just took tokido in that first match and it was just like just two oh reset well, you know, he 3 0 Oh, 3 0 him. Sorry, he 3-0 3-0'd reset. him. Yeah, yeah. So, sorry, it was a 3 0. And uh, Tokido did, hasn't dropped a match all day. Yeah, correct. And, and the fact that he got 3 0'd. He 3 0'd Punk. He 3 0'd Daigo. And then. And I think Smug even came from behind on, on Punk. I think we were we were recording something else when that one happened. Oh, well, Smug 3 0'd Punk, too. Sorry, not Punk, uh, Daigo. So I think at one point in time, yep. I think Daigo had him up 2 1. But, yep, yep. And he came um, back 1 3 2. But I mean. Still, geez. This. this eh, such an exciting match to watch live. And a great tournament. Like, we saw Cody played, which was crazy. Yeah. Like, getting to see Cody played. And Cody played by Momochi to pretty good effect. Yeah. Like, he was able to 3 0 Degura. Um, he went three two with Cody against Problem X after Cody fo- forced him onto, or as uh, sorry, Problem X forced forced him onto Cody. We saw some Abigail, saw a ton of Ibuki, but in the and Boxer, like what was interesting in of what was going on in that finals is that neither player 
had a good practice partner of that character, right? right? right, right. Like we heard Taquito say it during the pre-match interview where he was like, you know, I don't. there's not a lot of good boxers for me to practice against, but there's also not a lot of good Akumas for him to practice against. Right, right. And you saw, like, there was some mad adjustment going on in that final. That original reset where Smug 3-0 Takedo was not the same Akuma that we ended up seeing in the 3-1 where he beat Smug. No, and it's it's true. Takeda made a lot of adjustments. Smug uh, made some adjustments on Balrog a little bit later. Uh, he did... Um, when he did take that one match off of him, like you could see it, and and these were by the three one scoreline doesn't even really uh, the the scoreline itself doesn't tell the whole story because even though Smug three o the first time around, you leaned over to me, you're like, man, if Akuma even just had a point two five percent damage increase, this would have been completely different. The amount of times that Smug won with a pixel, a yeah. sliver of health left, was yeah. insane. There were definitely uh, a couple of rounds you were just like. Uh, I don't know who hit who, but somebody just won because they were both that low. Like, it was just one hits. And so, yeah, it was just fantastic. And the, this is another cool thing about the crowd here, too, as well. And you got to give it to the crowd because they were all for Smug, very much so. Chance of USA, USA, USA. But every time Tokita would take a round, collapse all around because yep. it's like, you know. The skill. Yeah, it's it, it was very much... Uh, a you know representation of just how this community itself, even though you're not, they're, they're, everybody's for the underdog essentially. Yep, uh, it's very respectful, very much like, hey, you've got talent. Like, I, I mean, the guys it. won Evo. Like, yeah, it, it's you, you kind of can't you can't ignore right. what you're up against. Smug. Not just on another level play-wise this time. Nobody expected him to get this far. I think when we saw that he was matched up against Punk, everybody's like, yeah, Punk's probably going to be who takes him down. He just wiped the floor with Punk, found his way through. Again, when Daigo came up, we're like, oh, and it looked tight there, but he made it through. He's also the mind games that he has been playing all day have just been. The person I feel the most sad for is poor Michelle, who's up there interviewing him, and he's just like full-on wrestling promo, like wants nothing to do with the questions that she's asking him. And And he's just like, I just have to postulate all the possibilities. Easy enough. (laughs) We had talked earlier as well when we looked at it. Like here he was in the lower bracket, and with it was just him, Lone, and everybody from Japan. Basically, just think of that list we just went through. Yeah, and we're like, there's a very good chance he will have to go through everyone from Japan in this tournament to get to the end. Now he didn't. I mean, he did have to like Daigo was basically the next to end boss. Um, but he had to basically go through the people who beat everybody from Japan. Like it's yeah, just, I, I think everybody was talking earlier on how Group D was like the group of of death, right? But if you look at Group C, what he even came out of the fact that he won lower in Group C. I mean, you had uh, Justin Wong, uh, Brolino was in there, Knuckle Dew was in there, Snake Eyes, Problem X, who also he had to face in the uh, quarterfinals, I believe. Yep. Uh, I mean, that was his group. Now, Group D, yes, you had uh, just as strong Daigo, Infiltration, uh, Haitani Fujimura. I mean, like, F-Champ being in there, uh, Item, which is, I think is just somebody This everybody needs to be watching right yep. now. Um, but just... The fact that that guy does not have a sponsor yet. Yeah. Some team needs to get on Item, like, now. Yeah, he is super, super strong. And, and I think that... Um, this just shows uh, that there needs to be more events of this magnitude, yep. right? Like because we get to see matchups we don't normally see. They talk a lot about this yeah. from the casters. Right? We got to see a lot of matchups we don't usually get to see. People not being able to make it from the East Coast to right. the West Coast, and vice versa. Um, I think it makes everybody better players because there was a lot of this talk about like one of the things that helped Smug out is Shine, one of his teammates, plays a Buki, and that allowed him to practice. But if everybody doesn't have that tournament experience against some of these players because they're not played in a certain region or don't have top players in a certain yeah. region, it hurts them at these larger tournaments. And being able to have more events like this where we get the Japanese players, we get the East Coast and the West Coast, being able to mix and practice and get better raises the whole level of the scene. And I think we're seeing where that can go because we saw a lot of people go up against characters they haven't had a lot of experience with or ones like Cody where hardly anybody had any experience. Right. Yeah, and because there's also, especially when they're they're so, they're, they're fairly new characters as well, quite often, and so uh, you have 
I'm trying to think which player it was. I was talking about how like having to search out VODs of people playing and hoping, trying to find VODs of them playing that exact matchup just to see how they approached it. And there's a lot of homework now that goes into it, especially on these on this side of the fence where you you've got an invitational and there's so many people from yeah, around that you the world normally run into and and to some players that are playing some fairly deep pools. Like if you yeah. look at this, like there's some players that brought out two three characters, which means right. you need to learn two three different play styles for how they play. I mean, Punk got to where he was because largely because he's picked up that that cami, which has become pretty crucial, a big change. Given, he's given him another option. Yeah, and he's done pretty well. I think he switched up right around like in like a. Um, I think it was he won out Texas with that. I think it was a Texas showdown, and then I think from then on he's been using it. But still, it's like it's it's showing that even though he's had like a drought throughout this year, like just having that one extra character depth will help. We saw this happen with uh, Problem X. Like he was able to switch off that yeah. Abigail, which was a good count- counter for the Colleen, and then be able to go in there and switch to Bison um, when he was up against the Cody, and that ended up working yeah. out for him. So having those deeper character pools, being able to play two or three, especially when your opponent has the same ability, is huge. And if you get more chances to play more matchups, you get more comfortable, because it's not just about learning that character. It's about learning that character and the different matchups you have to yeah. go up against. And that's really hard when you don't have the level of crossplay that something like the E-League Invitational brings yeah. to the table. <laughs> I think we, we talk a little bit about the eye-tracking stuff as well. There is I know you're like even, super bullish on this. I, well... I, it's it's not a ton of stuff going on. It's not like a, but it w- there are a lot of interesting things about it because when sometimes it just shows you the how often that that these players practice the professionalism that they have and and how many hours they put into it because there are multiple times where you will see their eyes track to different areas of the screen like they're looking at their own health they're looking at their own meters uh, and they're pulling off combos that are ripping their opponent all the way across. The, the stage, yeah, right? Not like, even watching it, and they're not even watching it. And you're like, "Wait a minute! I can barely figure out how it is you do that, and you're just you're not even paying attention. It's just muscle memory at that point, and it's just it's really cool. And then I think we even, um, I think Sage Jam had, had pointed out in near the finals as well as like you can see that like how they you know they watch the other player, and then when something happens, they go to the other player's meter, and it's just like this constant like. V reversal pieces yep, constantly yep. going on. Uh, it's just cool to see. Um, now knowing, like when you play it, yeah, that's kind of what you do. But as someone who is from like a, from a spectator standpoint, just understanding, like this isn't just a bunch of people mashing buttons. They're doing a lot of this without just yeah, and, and not, like, without even looking. And I want to make sure before we wrap up, we we do sing. I want to properly sing the praises of Smug here. Because you talked a little bit about how he got here. Let's look at the group that he was sitting in and the names that he left on the table in order to get to the playoffs. I thought they talked about that. Snake Eyes, Problem X, Knuckledew, yeah. Jay Wong, Brolinio. Were you present for that? I was, but we did not call out every single... I mean, that literally yeah, alone could be an invitational. Oh, man. Was I stepping on my, my, my uh, cops? I think you were. The I think you time, were. Because I definitely <laughs> rattled them all. Welcome back to. (laughs) We got to get out of this closet. I think we're getting the heat. The heat is just the heat is just getting to us. But (laughs) I mean, and you look at the players in general that did not make it. Other than that list, I mean, infiltration is a big name. Knuckledew is a big name. There's a ton of great players that didn't even make it into the playoffs. So, like the fact that these people even made it this far, and you look at that path that Smug took, and you look how easily Tokido got to the finals, basically three owing his way there. Taking out Punk, taking out Dago, like you end up in this great. I mean, it's just it's been an amazing tournament. I want to see more of this. Yeah. I love obviously like we have the CEOs, we have the combo breakers, we got the Evos. They bring all the talent out, but E League being able to offer this more regularly and yeah. giving those East and West Coast players and the Asian players more opportunities to play against each other, I think is just going to raise the scene. Up. Yeah, and I think there's a lot to be said too about the Asian players and and how quickly they learn to adapt. Like we talked about uh, Dagara and how just went from. A one in four to clean sweeping his way through the lower bracket to make it into um, the playoffs, right? Like there were multiple Japanese players who did that, who went like I think someone went like what one and nine or something ridiculous yep, yep. in group stage, and then four owed, and then four all the way through. Like yep. once it came to the brackets, but it's like just it, it's just so impressive how all these players adapt. Smug adapted, um, you know. You you see. Uh, punk adapting with different characters. You see all the Japanese trying to, players trying to figure out 
what the Americans are doing. The Americans trying to figure out what the Japanese players and and problematic trying to figure it out. It's like, right like we don't even have anybody I know to practice with who plays this player. But when I come to America, I can practice with somebody here who has the same character, someone in Japan. Like it's this network of people trying to work together to learn stuff. It's such a great scene. Yeah, no, it's been wonderful. So yeah. if you want to check out some matches, I think the match is worth checking out. You have to check out Problem X versus Bomochi. I think that, hands down, one of the best matches of the tournament. I think you have to watch Smug and Daigo, and I think you obviously have to watch Smug and Tokido. And you're, uh, watching any of Smug's run is probably worth it. Watching any of Smug's interviews, uh, yes, also yeah. probably <laughs> worth it. <laughs> true, true. Awesome. Well, I think that's going to do it for our coverage. We've got a chance to talk to a couple of players, so we're going to throw those in for you now. And then when we come back, we'll wrap things up for the show. We are now joined by the winner of the E-League Street Fighter V Invitational, Takedo. Takedo, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> you have to be feeling amazing. I mean, it was a little close there. You, you got reset by Smug, but you ended up stopping his momentum, making a lot of adjustments, and bringing home the championship. Talk to us a little bit about what those adjustments that you ended up making. Oh, After he reset me, uh, I feel very bad. So I stand up, then stretch, and just a little bit exercise, then refresh me. Maybe it works very well. (laughs) That's all we have to do. We just get our stretches going, then we can take smug out. (laughs) What did you, uh, from a strategy standpoint, what did you change? Like, how did you approach the fight differently? Oh, he used uh, a lot of dash straight, Mm -hmm. and I got hit in the winners so i don't wanna just block them i wanna use a a lot of fireball to stop dash straight yeah simple strategy but it works yeah it did work you won (laughs) (laughs) so you mentioned your stretching what's going through your mind as you're looking across the stage and smug is stretching alongside of you obviously playing the mind games trying to get into your head uh yes he he's a i know he's a such a guy to <laughs> do funny things so i i don't oh it's okay it's you smack so <laughs> i ignore you're like i'll talk with my play i ended up winning so stretch all you want right so this has got to give you a lot of momentum how are you feeling now going into evo like this was a super strong showing for you we've got evo coming up in a few weeks like how are you feeling oh yes uh, recently i feel i stuck in street fighter 5 but to yeah, for E League, I practice some special matchup, and uh, some just a little bit. I feel improvement for me, so it was very good uh, confidence for me. So just keep on. Yeah, we were talking actually earlier in the show. Like this gives an opportunity for a lot of the players to play matchups that they wouldn't normally yes. get to play at a high level. You know, the Japanese yeah. players don't get a chance to play some of the U.S. players, and even East Coast and West Coast. It's actually got to be really good timing for you going into Evo, where you're going to see a lot of these maybe unique matchups or matchups that you haven't played at the same skill level with who you're able to practice with. Yes. Awesome, well, Takeda. Thank you so much for joining us, and congratulations on your awesome victory. Uh, we'll see you in a few weeks at Evo. Yes. Thank you so All much. Right, thank you. <laughs> And we're back, and we're going to wrap things up with a little silly esports news. Let's start first with Tempo Storm, who has signed this hilarious signing. (laughs) (laughs) See what it did there? Oh, man, this is going to make no sense to anybody. So Tempo Storm has announced a partnership (laughs) with Fangage, a fan engagement digital autograph platform that allows users to upload personalized graphics and get them authentically signed by their favorite celebrities. So, like, if you want to get your nipple signed, for example, by uh, Takedo, not going to happen. Because you'd have to, like, scan your nipple and then send it to him for him to digitally sign and then send back to you. I mean, I don't think that's actually how it works. According to them, it was like, you have them, you can have screenshots of them or screenshots of them at the event or something and have them... Oh, so you don't even get to upload something? Well, I think you do, but they were talking about screenshots of the player. Oh, good God. So it's not even like photos of you with the player. It's or 
photos necessarily. I mean, I guess it could be a photo of the player. I mean, anything digital. But I think that's a scene shot of it. It could. It could. Um, Everybody wants. This one is of those. just so. No, this is not really weird. Like it's unfortunate that we got to this a day late because for everyone that's like, man, this is the coolest thing ever. The event unfortunately and, happened yesterday. And I'm I'm going to be honest with you. Overwatch. You pay ten bucks for this. Overwatch League players need to steer clear of this. Okay. Because you know someone's going to write something bad on one. Yep. Yep. Someone's going to write something bad on one. It'll find out that <laughs> it's probably like it's probably a just a device used to find more pedos on Boston <laughs> Uprising. I don't know. This is so bad. It's uh, but that <laughs> awfulness aside, <laughs> I'm I'm just I'm struggling with how this is even a thing. I know because largely. Um, Go find their signature online somewhere and stick it over a picture. Like, who's going? How is this going to be worth any money in the future? Am I being old? I mean, I guess I guess an old person ten years ago would have laughed at us spending money on digital skins for things. So maybe this is like hoping that that will continue to be a trend and a digital autograph will be a new thing. Yeah, evidently they've been doing this in other sports stuff, and they're now this is their the fan gauges jump never, into esports. But like, me. but I, I don't I don't get how. Because how is LeBron's it signature exclusive? on a basketball and like LeBron's signature on a web pic of him? Like, look, I took a <laughs> selfie with Instagram and yeah, right. I got my headband pulled up. I don't, I, I don't, I yeah, I don't get it. I don't get how this is a thing. Maybe it's me being old. I still don't get how it's a thing. Uh, but evidently, it's it's newsworthy. And- Someone should hit us up on Twitter if you've done this before, either previous to their esports involvement or mm-hmm. as part of this thing they did with Trihex for Tempo Storm yesterday. Like, hit us up and nerf this crew on Twitter. I'd love to hear why. Because yeah. I just don't get it. And like you said, we may just be being old fogies. No, no. Better yet, I'll tell you what. You start tweeting at us some pictures you want us to sign, <laughs> and we'll just do it for free. No fan gauge anything. No, no. In fact, we will mail. We will print it out and mail it to you. I don't know if I'm going to go that far. Oh, I will go that far. Okay, Brian, I'll go that far. This, I, is, this is what we pay Jules for. <laughs> I like how we've just... Jules yeah. is listening right now. She goes, you know, every time I listen to the show, you call me out for something stupid. <laughs> now you've got me mailing autographs of whatever random crap our fans send us. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, anyways. Uh, moving on. Three days after the reveal of the PUBG Squad Showdown, Shroud has been banned for 30 days. Um, he was apparently bad. This is the best part. He was banned for 30 days after a run-in with a flagrant hacker during one of his stream sessions. As he describes it, after running into the hacker multiple times throughout the day, he finally decided to see how long it would last and actually requested the hacker to hack for him. And then he gets tagged for hacking and gets banned for 30 days, which could see him not be able to participate in this event. This, first of all, just a dumb, just a dumb move. Don't do this. Yeah, um, and don't do it in front of a giant audience of people. But I guess at that point in time, like when you're doing it in front of a giant audience of people, you're really, if anything, you're hoping you got plausible deniability here. Like clearly, he was just screwing with the guy, screwing with the guy, and or like giving more information as to who this person is, so that they they can be banned. Um, but. Uh, Again, like I don't the fact that he asked him to do something and and, and well here's the, here's the thing they almost have to hold up to it it'll likely be lessened if it hasn't already to, okay um, also Shroud can still take part in the PUBG stuff he just won't be on his account right he can still do it <laughs> he can get a new account yeah he probably isn't, wouldn't be playing on his account he's now anymore. Shroud with a Z and a U and a zero right um, but there was a, a while back um, Dr. Disrespect got banned for shoot, shooting a, a friendly player right uh, and he got like a three day ban for that so if and they Gotta upheld it them rules. and they upheld it um, he went and played Fortnite <laughs> I believe but he upheld it um, whoops uh Actually, I don't think he played for it. He played, he played other games. And you know, it's funny if you just stick with that part of the story. I think he actually did. Uh, but that aside, I, 30 days is a long time. But who's to say Shroud just wouldn't have another account? But eh. He's going he's gonna, to, you know, we should have him do? We should have him smurf your account. Yeah? You think so? Yeah. I would. I would. I mean, he'd get banned again for smurfing, probably. But. Yeah, I would take a 30-day ban to have, like everything that shroud could do for my account uh in any yeah, game when you got back to the game. game you're far better than you'd ever be any if you did game. it yourself so yeah I, I don't know i think that um i think i think they, they will stick with it. it will likely be lessened it won't be necessarily 30 days uh I, I, I we're probably talking about this and it's already happened that he's been freed back up on it there's people virtually um, shouting at us right now like you morons yeah yeah, yeah. but whatever uh, if you see someone running around obviously hacking them packets 
don't don't friend them and play. Don't friend them and be like, hey, could you hack some for me? Yeah. Yeah. No. So. Not, not a good thing. And last of our weird stories, in China, Faker has become the subject of student essays about how to follow your dreams. Faker was featured at a Chinese monthly periodical of composition topics to try and inspire students. Faker's a big deal. I don't want to. I don't want to minimize this. <laughs> Faker's not sitting in the back closet of a student. No, either. no. He's like, here. We are. Like I just literally had a neon tube fall in my head. But you know, he's and I'm out here making fun of the dude who's like an entire country is writing inspiring essays about him. But oh man, I it just goes to show you how big esports is. <laughs> we, we followed our dream. It led us three doors past the restroom. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we have said in the past the restrooms were the best conversations happen at E League. Uh, that is true, and we can hear the toilets flush back here. This so. is a tactical decision, so we can eavesdrop. <laughs> you're you're correct. Yes, oh, it's like, I, I totally heard what Malik was saying. It was an editing nightmare. So. Yeah, yeah. If you hear weird Somebody pauses, the Chick Fil A. <laughs> God. All right. Um, luckily, we are not. Is E League sponsored by Chick Fil A? Because we probably should cut that if they are. No, I don't think so. We, okay, so we should double check. Yeah, we should double check before we put that to production. All right, before we get ourselves in any more trouble, <laughs> I'm going to call it there because Seven's given me the look that I usually give him when I've said something ridiculous and realized it two minutes after it came out of my mouth. As always, you can catch us hopefully um, every Tuesday on iTunes, Overcast, Pocketcast, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and on our site, nerfthis.gg, unless Seven just pulled an XQC, then we won't be here next week. Um, you should also check out our daily show, Esports Daily, with myself, Seven, and Jules, where we bring you the top headlines every Monday. Monday through Friday, it's available as a podcast on iTunes and all the podcatchers, as well as an Alexa flash briefing if you have an Amazon Echo. Definitely check that out. If you love us or hate us, either on iTunes or on the Alexa store, please do leave us a five-star review. It does help people discover both the Alexa flash flash briefing, that's a lot of words, and our podcast. And of course, you can check us out on social media, Facebook and Instagram at NerfThisGG, on the Twitters at NerfThisCrew, and of course, you can shoot us an email over at show at NerfThis.GG. Um, we're going to call it before we get kicked out of our closet here. <laughs> I'm actually worried we might be locked in. <laughs> I, just, I totally didn't realize. I hope this, this locks from the outside. Oh, so. oh, yep. There we go. We will not be able to leave. So um, we will be back here next week recording from the same closet and 10 pounds skinnier. Um, <laughs> see everybody back here next week for another episode of Nerf This. <laughs>